and stubbornness is of iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Tough time in the kingdom. Saul has disobeyed the Lord. Uh, Samuel told Saul that God wanted everything in the city utterly destroyed, nothing spared. And as you look a little later in the word of God, you'll find that Esther, as she is the queen, there is a guy by the name of Haman, and Haman is an Agiite. And Haman the Agiite has come up with the plan to destroy the people of God, to wipe them off the face of the earth. Had Saul been obedient to the Lord, all the Agiites would have been destroyed and there would not have been a Haman. There's a reason why God asks you to deal with stuff in your life. There's a reason why God wants you to get rid of stuff and, and, and not hang around stuff. There's a purpose and a plan. It's not to punish you, but it's to bless you, to prepare you for his blessings and to keep you safe from the attack of the enemy. This morning, my thought when it comes to throwing in the towel, that's a boxing term, and we know that when a boxer is in a ring going through how many rounds he goes through, when he gets to a place where he is incapacitated or not able to defend himself or to pursue the boxing match any longer, his manager or his second will throw in the towel. That throwing in the towel means uh, it's a surrender, it's a yield, it means I give up. So throwing in the towel has something to do with surrender, with giving up. And when I look at surrender or, or throwing in the towel, I look at the life of Moses, and uh, Hollywood has done such a great job painting a picture of the Exodus. We know the story. They went in 70 strong with Joseph. In 300 years, they multiplied to probably 2 or 3 million people but the Bible says that the new Pharaoh forgot Joseph and all that jo Joseph did for the kingdom. And as I reflect in that, I look at our country, our nation, how almost 200 years ago, this country was birthed with the right and the attitude to pursue God and to seek God and to put God first in everything that they do. And as Pastor Rhonda mentioned on the news this morning, we've come a long way. We are in a dangerous time. This is a place that this nation has never been in. And uh, we're seeing God's hand obviously sovereign taking care of us. But our, our country, our nation is really messed up. We have called good evil, evil good. We pursued evil and the things of the enemy and the things of the world. And so as it was in the days of Moses is a lot like it was in the days that we are living now. God speaks to Moses through the burning bush. And, and God tells Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh and confront him. And I want you to ask that Pharaoh would release my people so that they can come into the wilderness and worship me. And I reflected just a few minutes ago as I was preparing for this thought, and I looked at the word worship. Worship will take you out of bondage. Worship will take you out of Egypt. Worship will put you in the presence of God. Praise is a ladder that leads to God, and once you get to God, worship is a a thing that we can do to stay in the presence of God. How many knows it's not just enough for God to visit us? It's nice for him to live and dwell in our midst. Several years ago, there was a famous evangelist that uh, traveled the world, traveled the nation, very effective evangelist, uh, saw thousands come to know the Lord. Uh, this evangelist was evangelist slash missionary. He went overseas, different parts of the world, and he's very effective. The challenge with this missionary he had a physical challenge he was obese, not because of diet, but because of the chemicals in his body. He, had, he was just largely obese and had a tough time with that everywhere he went. 
came to America to take just a sea law, and he stayed with the pastor and his family from the Assembly of God in Michigan. And uh, he uh, began to help the pastor, Pat co-pastored the church. And there was a family in the church that this, this missionary really liked to be around. He liked him at church. He liked to visit with them. And uh, he would go to their house from time to time, just you know, hoping for an opportunity to deepen the relationship. One day he went to their house, knocked on the door. They came to the door, and he had something for them, and he handed it to them. And they said, well, Pastor, won't you come in and sit down for a while? And as they were talking to him, he was looking over their shoulder to see if they had prepared a place for him to sit. Because of his weight, he couldn't sit on a couch. It made it impossible to get up. He would sit on a chair from time to time and break the chair, and he wasn't able to sit in any normal furniture. And he looked over their shoulder and said, haven't they prepared a place for me to sit? And you know what? That's exactly what God does. God is seeking a people that will build a place for him to sit. Not just to visit, not just to bless, but to live with. And this morning, our praise and our worship together has created a seat for God to dwell. At Harvest, we desire not just for God to show up, but we desire for God to go home with you. That the God you experience here is a God you can experience at home. Aren't you glad this morning that you've had an opportunity to worship him, to build a place in your heart for him to sit? You're a quiet bunch this morning, but that's quite all right. Last week they shouted me off the pulpit, so this morning I won't get shouted. I'll be able to finish all the notes that God has given me. The power of worship. When Moses goes to Pharaoh and there's a confrontation and God begins to use Moses, as you know, the different plagues that hit the, the nation of Egypt, there were 10 plagues, and each one of these plagues was a direct slap in the face of the Egyptian gods. At Pharaoh's throne in the middle, there were five god seats on one side, five god seats on another. Egypt actually had 10 gods that they worshiped, and the first god that they worshiped was Ra, the sun god. And the first plague that came to Egypt was that the sun refused to shine and darkness was upon the... No, let, me, let me back up just a minute. The first plague that came to Egypt was that God allowed all the water in the Nile River to be turned into blood. You know, when I think about water being turned into blood, I think about, I think about water being turned into wine. And I look at the, at the use of alcohol through the Bible, and every time you see alcohol, it's usually a negative. We know that different ones got in trouble. God destroyed certain cities because of their debauchery. And when the water was turned into blood, Pharaoh probably should have thrown in the towel. He probably should have given up. He probably should have let the people of God go, but he did not. I'm here to encourage you this morning. If the enemy is trying to trick you or trap you in the area of alcoholism and drugs, that's something that you need to throw in the towel. You need to give it up. You need to turn it loose. You need to let it go because all it's going to bring is pain and heartache. Do I have a friend in the house this morning that would help me? Instead of alcohol, Ephesians 5 and 18 says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Aren't you glad this morning that the joy of the Lord is our strength, and he gives us his Spirit to dwell in us? And if any type of, of social drinking or any type of, 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 of binging is hurting you, your family, your finances, your, 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 your faith, you just need to give it up, turn it loose, and let it go. Help me this morning and just throw that towel in. I have not had a drink in 38 years, and I don't miss it one little bit. I remember when I was younger in, in, in life, I would actually hold my nose 
and then I would take a Michelob, and I would chug the Michelob, hated the taste, never found a beer I liked the taste, never really found uh, an alcoholic drink besides strawberry daiquiri, I have to be honest with you, but never found a drink that I really enjoyed. It is something, uh, to me, uh, beer smelled like cow urine, and uh, sometimes it tasted like cow urine. And why in the world would you want to drink cow urine? Anyway, help me just throw that towel. We're going to throw that towel in, and we're going to turn that loose and let that go. The, the second thing that the, uh, God did to the armies of Egypt is he allowed millions of frogs to come out of the river. There were frogs everywhere. They were piled up. They were in the linen. They were in the icebox. They were in the bed. They were in the garden. Everywhere you looked, there were frogs. And so Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, do you want... When do you want these frogs to leave? And Pharaoh said, tomorrow. Why in the world, Pharaoh said, tomorrow, when the frogs could have left that very day, why in the world would he want to spend another night with the frogs? Is because we come to a place in our life where we procrastinate, and our attitude is, well, just one more drink, and I'll quit drinking. Well, just one more high, and I'll quit getting high. Well, just one more cigarette, I'll quit, I'll quit smoking. Uh, cigarettes won't send you to hell. They just make you smell like you've already been there, and you have a reserved seat. If you took the money you spent on cigarettes and saved it in 10 years, you probably have about 20 grand. How many of those that's a good investment to make in, in yourself and not in something that goes up in smoke? But the, 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 the attitude here is the, that to throw in the towel of procrastination. Quit putting things off tomorrow that you know you need to do today. To be what you need to be, you've got to do something you've never done, and it takes action. And there's nothing wrong with failing. There's nothing wrong with making mistakes as long as you're trying. If you keep practicing long enough, you'll probably get it right. Do I have a friend in the house? The third attack that uh, God brought upon Pharaoh when he should have, pulled in the, should have thrown in the towel was the plague of lice. Everywhere there was lice. And what was kind of ironic when Moses threw his staff, when Aaron threw his staff down and it turned to a snake, the Bible says the magicians of Egypt could throw their staff down and turn into a snake, but the Bible says that Aaron's snake ate all the other snakes. When they turned the water into blood, when God turned the water into blood, the magicians were able to turn the water into blood. When the frogs came out of the river, the magicians of Egypt were able to bring the frogs out of the river. The Bible says in the last days, the Antichrist will perform great signs and wonders to deceive the very elect. I believe that there is a supernatural power. I believe there's a perversion of that power. I believe there is the dark side. I believe, and I'll talk about that in just a minute. But I think the enemy also has the ability to perform miracles. But notice every miracle that the enemy performed, God's power, God's authority, ate there and destroyed theirs before they could throw in the towel. Look at somebody and say, throw in the towel. The fourth thing that God, God used to, to bring pestilence to the people of Pharaoh was that he had allowed flies to appear, flies everywhere. And you know, flies are usually attached to dead stuff or things that stink. But the Bible says in Luke 11 and 15 that Satan is the Lord of the flies. And one thing that Pharaoh should have done when the lice came and uh, the, the magicians, this is kind of ironic, the magicians of Egypt could not reproduce lice. I thought that was kind of interesting that, that there are things that God can do the enemy can't touch. Aren't you glad there are things that God can do that the enemy cannot touch? But I encourage you, if you've ever uh, had, had the desire or the, 
or the interest to, to get yourself involved in Ouija boards and tarot cards and fortune tellers and soothsayers and wizards and witches, I encourage you not to be involved in anything that has to do with the occult. Do I have a friend in the house this morning? The fifth thing that God did to the people of Egypt was that all their livestock died. All the livestock the next morning were dead. And I wrote, I wrote down here, livestock represents finances, it represents income. Don't let your job become your God. Don't let your job become more important than the things of God. It's God first, family second, church third, and job fourth. Is that a good, is that a good priority list? God first, family second, church third, and, and your job fourth. I have people in my life that they are not here this morning in the house of God because their job has kept them away from the house and the presence of God. And I understand the need to work. I understand the need to have a job. And I understand the need that sometimes you have to go and work on Sunday. I understand that. But without looking around, there's no one here in the building that I'm talking to. But there are families in my life that years ago, I've been here 29 years, years ago, I went to families in confidence personally and said, listen, I really see the hand of God on your child, your son, or your daughter's life. And I really believe God's got a calling for them, a purpose for them. There's an anointing on them. But them working on Sunday and Wednesday, they're missing all the ingredients. They're missing all the elements. They're missing all the foundations. And I would like to encourage you to encourage your children to try to find a job where they don't work on Sunday. You say, well, that's impossible. No, it might be a hassle, but there are places that you can work that do not involve Wednesday and Sunday. And a perfect place to go to work would be Chick-fil-A because they're not open on Sunday. And let me say this as softly and as tenderly as I can. Three of those families that I went to years ago and encouraged them to convince their kids not to work on Sunday, but to stay in the house of God, the things of God. Three different families, all their children are away from God right now and are not serving the Lord. Pastor, you think that's church attendance? Absolutely. I believe when you come Sunday after Sunday, Morgan, what a joy to have you this morning with us. When you come Sunday after Sunday and you get the worship in your spirit, you get the word in your spirit, you bring a tithe, you bring an offering, you're involved in koinonia, I believe it makes you stronger. I believe it makes you better. I believe it makes you effective. And when you have stuff in your spirit and the enemy tries to discourage you, you're able to speak not your words, not your thoughts, but you're able to speak the thoughts and the words of God that you learned in the house of God. I need a friend in that house to help me this morning with that. The sixth challenge that God allowed Egypt to endure, and you know what? When all the livestock died, right then Pharaoh should have thrown in the towel. He should have turned God's people loose, but he did not. The sixth thing that God brought to Egypt were boils. They had horrible boils all over their body, and I believe this boils represents the fact of if we're not careful, we'll allow pride, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life to become more important than the things of God. There's nothing wrong with getting a hairdo. There's nothing wrong with getting your nails. There's nothing wrong with a facelift. There's nothing wrong. But when your physical appearance becomes more important than your spiritual appearance, you're in a place of trouble. Pride is a very dangerous thing. God said in Proverbs that he hates pride. That's one thing that he cannot stand. He cannot tolerate. Let us never see ourselves as saved and see the world as lost 
and have contempt for the world, the people of the world. Let us realize that we too were once in the gutter. God came to where we were, pulled us out of the gutter, made us brand new, gave us a reason to live, a purpose and a plan, and he has that for everybody. Don't let the things of life, the cares of life, the, 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 lust of, the lust of life keep you away from the house of God. Am I preaching good this morning? Should have thrown in the towel. He did not. The seventh plague that God brought to Egypt was the plague of hell. And hell, if you want to write this down, is simply rain gone bad. Rain gone bad. Rain represents sowing. Rain represents seed. Rain represents planting and reaping. In Matthew 6 and 19, it says, Don't store up your treasure where moth and rust can corrupt, can rust, but store your treasure in the things, the purpose and the plan of God. When you look at your life and you look at your investments and you look at your time, what are you investing in? Are you investing in the things of the world or are you investing in the things of God? Because there is going to come a day. I remember there was a very, very wealthy man that did not love God, did not serve God, and he died. And they decided to bury him in his Rolls Royce. They dug a big hole and they got a crane. They put him in the Rolls Royce and they went to put the Rolls Royce in the hole. And one guy standing to the other says, man, what a way to go. Never mind. It does not matter what you acquire, J. Paul Getty, Donald Trump, Bill Gates, uh, Rockefeller, and you can name probably some names that I, uh, the, the Rothschild, you can, you, can, you, can, you can acquire and you can assess hundreds of billions of dollars, hundreds of homes, hundreds of cars, you can, a hundred Rolexes, a home, hundred diamond ring, but you can't take a single thing with you. Make sure you're not putting all your investment in the things of the world, but you begin to get involved in being invested in the things of God. Am I preaching good this morning? The Bible says in Galatians 6 and 17, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Watch men soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to the flesh shall reap a whirlwind, but he that soweth the things of God shall reap the things of God. Aren't you glad this morning that you're investing and you're planting in the things of God. The eighth thing that God struck Egypt down with, and when the seventh thing came, Pharaoh should have thrown in the towel. He did not. But the eighth thing that God allowed to, to plague Egypt was a locust. And the locust, if you'll study the locust, the grasshopper, they eat everything. They eat the plant. They eat the leaf. They eat the stalk. They eat the roots. They eat the fruit. They eat the seed. Every single part of the plant they devour. And when I look about the enemy trying to eat and destroy everything that we have, I am reminded that I am in covenant with God, not just because of my confession, not just because of my servanthood, but I'm connected to God and I'm under his vow and his covenant because I am a tither. Tithing is not a suggestion. Tithing is a commandment. We're told to bring the first fruit to the house of God, to the things of God. I remember all my life, and Rhonda can tell you her story, about her, how her dad gave her a life lesson she never forgot. I don't even know how old you were, five or six or seven years old. But I remember at a very young age, I can remember my, my mom, every Saturday night we would wait for Bewitched to come on uh, in black and white, and I would iron all of dad's handkerchiefs. Now, I don't know why dad had to have his handkerchiefs ironed, but I ironed them. And every handkerchief I ironed, I got a penny. And I remember mom would have me iron the pillowcases. Now, why in the world would you iron a pillowcases beside me, but I got a nickel? So that night while we're waiting for, I got the ironing board out, and I ironed the handkerchiefs, I ironed the pillowcases, and when I got done, I gave mom a bill. I didn't wait till Monday to be paid, Friday to be paid. I wanted to be paid when I had the work done. Can anybody relate? 
And I can remember going to church with my little tithe envelope. And I can remember having 11 cents tithe and 5 cents offering. I can remember that probably 7, 8, probably, probably more around 8, 9, 10 years of age. And then when I got a little older, uh, I, I began to cut lawns. I began to mow lawns. And I began to work for a, a tree guy. And when I was 16, I, I ran a chainsaw and worked like a man. And we cut down trees. And, and he paid me real well. He paid me $5 an hour. And that was really good money in 1970. That was, that was a good income. But I remember when I would take that money and I would, I would count all my money, the first thing I did was I got a tithe envelope and I put my tithe in there and I put my offering in there. And then I remember when I was not serving the Lord, when I was a godless heathen, I would still make sure that Rhonda, when we were still together, I would make sure that she took the tithe to the house of God. Even though I wasn't doing right, I wasn't serving God because I saw God's hand, God's favor. You know, we trust God for every area of our life. We trust God for our eternity. We trust him for our health. We trust him for our wisdom, our direction. But a lot of people have, have a tough time trusting God with their money. They feel like they can do a better job rather than sowing the kingdom of God. And I'll tell you what, you can't beat God giving. You cannot, you cannot do it your way and make it work. But I have story after story after story where we brought our tithe. God turned around and blessed it. God, God promoted us. God blessed us. God gave us favor. Um, it's, just, it's just amazing watching what God would do and what God does when you are faithful and you're consistent to your tithe. The Bible says, bring your tithe and offering the storehouse. Tithe opens a window. Offering determines what pours out that window. And aren't you glad the windows of heaven are open to us for showers of blessings, for promotion and favor and blessing when we are obedient? You're a quiet crowd this morning. Thank you, Pastor Todd. The ninth plague that came against the people of Egypt was darkness. Everything that was once light, the sun refused to shine. The God sun raw was defeated, was discouraged. Pharaoh should have turned in the towel then. When, when the darkness hit the world, he should have known this power is greater than my power. He should have thrown the towel in and given up, but he did not. He continued to walk in rebellion and would not let God's people go. When I think of darkness, I think of things done in secret. The Bible says there's nothing hid that won't be revealed, that everything is done in secret. God will expose and God will bring it to light. Take an inventory of your life. Take an inventory of yourself and ask yourself, if Jesus came home with me today, would I need to run home real quick and deal with some stuff? If Jesus was to go through my closet and go through my drawers and go through my cabinets, would I need to get to the house first and remove stuff that Jesus would not see? If Jesus is going to take an inventory of my life and my spirit and my ministry, are there things that I need to repent of? Hello? I remember several years ago, we had a housekeeper. What was always so ironic, before the housekeeper came on her scheduled time to come, Pastor Ron would clean the house. And I always wonder, why are you cleaning the house? The housekeeper is coming. I guess there's a level of dirt you don't even want your housekeeper to see. Hello. Hello. Has somebody helped me? So everything that's done in secret will be exposed, will be revealed. Let your light so shine before men. Repent. Get rid of all the garbage and junk in your life that you're trying to hide, that you're trying to hold on to, whether it's in a closet or under wherever it's at. Get rid of it and let God move. He should have thrown in the towel when the sun refused to shine and there was darkness, but he did not. But the one thing that touched Pharaoh was the tenth plague, and that when all the firstborn children... Firstborn male children died. Uh, if I am the firstborn. Are the other firstborn male children? Any, all the male, uh, there's about eight of us that we, we would have waken up tomorrow dead 
and our family at loss because the firstborn son, father, grandfather, uncle was gone. When I think of firstborn children dying, I think of abortion. Because 9 out of 10, the first child birth that that's that's will be aborted, rarely is the second child, third child aborted, but it's always the first child. It's always the firstborn. And when I think about that firstborn, I think about when, 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 when um, Moses, when he, came to, when he was born, they were throwing all the firstborn male children in the river. When Jesus was born, I think about them going to Bethlehem and killing all the firstborn male babies. When I think about Roe versus Wade in 1972 when abortion became legal, and you know there, there might come a day when we will turn that around. There's some things at, at work right now with the righteous uh, judges that we have, but the firstborn were, were aborted. And I think about that generation that the enemy would like to destroy an entire generation. So when I think of firstborn, I think about family. I think about abortion. I think about divorce. I, feel, I think about how the enemy tries to destroy the family by destroying the marriage and destroying the children. And if you're here this morning and you've had an abortion, God has forgiven you. You are to be at peace with that. And you realize that one day you will have to take on the responsibility of raising that child probably in heaven. That's probably the first thing you'll do when you get to heaven is meet the child that went there before you, that made a way for you, and you'll get to spend quality time with that child. Is that good preaching, teaching, or what? And God, God, God is a God of forgiveness. God knows what it's like to be divorced. God is divorced. When I think about the enemy trying to destroy families and trying to destroy children, that was a towel that Pharaoh should have thrown in. And he did throw in only later to chase after the people of God, and you know that story. So there are times, there are times you just come to a place in your life, you need to cut your losses, get rid of all the stuff that's dragging you down, and start pursuing the things that God has for you. Do I have an amen in the house? I wrote down here three things um, when not to throw in the towel. And this towel represents sweat. It represents blood. It represents hard work. If you watch a, if you watch a boxing ring after they go each, at each other, they punch and they get punched and they go to their corner and their, their, their manager will take a, take a rag and wipe the sweat from their face and wipe the blood from their face. This rag right here represents hard work. Don't give up on what you've started knowing that God is able to complete it. Many times right before we see victory, right before we see breakthrough, right before we see favor, we give in. We concede. We turn it loose. We let it go, not to realize that God was just right around the corner, bringing it to pass, blessing it, and making it happen. When I think about this rag, I think about the fact that it's not the boxer that throws in the rag. It's someone else. Don't let someone else throw away your destiny. Don't let someone else throw away your purpose. Don't let people, people speak into your life with negative, critical things that would disqualify you and hurt you. Surround yourself with people that would guard you, that would protect you, that would bless you. I'm reminded of Thomas Edison, and I don't know how they got this number, but supposedly he had tried to make the light bulb work 999 times, and he failed. Aren't you glad he didn't give up? Had he given up, we may be sitting with candles, there's no telling where we would be without electricity. Can you imagine life without electricity? The one thing that you're accomplishing in the things of God may be such a thing that changes people, changes families, changes hope. Don't give up on what God has put in your heart and your spirit to complete. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of appreciation this morning for that word? In other words, don't throw in the towel. Don't give up. Keep that sweaty, bloody towel around you to remind you 
of the battles that you've won, the fights that you won, the things you did accomplish, and use that in the things that God has for you to accomplish. Can we pray? What a great God you are, and we thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness. We thank you that you are in control. We thank you like Moses, you have raised up leaders to take us to the place that we need to go. Let us learn to love your word. Let us learn to focus on your word. Let us learn to, to, to read and devour and digest this word to find out the promises and the direction and the favor that you have for us. Let us not be like Pharaoh who refuses to submit, refuses to yield, but let us be willing vessels, vessels of sacrifice. Let us be willing to yield. Let us be willing to, to give you our best and, and in return receive your best. Let this be a blessed day, a blessed week. In Jesus' name we pray. And they all said, Amen. Amen. Give the Lord.